customers that have lost their minds with no names just general she's staring blankly <laughs> who lost their mind me no no never mind <laughs> ignore me <laughs> How do you, Steve, how do you set boundaries? Could be anywhere. And Jess, if you got ideas too, mm. Jess. Didn't, I didn't mean to exclude you. That, I don't know that I'm good at setting boundaries. I'm, I don't move the boundary when I'm like, oh, I'm good with that boundary. Let's keep that one. I'm not even gonna bring it up. <laughs> Um, I think I probably respond with uh, some comedic observation about that boundary where I'm going to poke fun at it and then that person never wants to bring it up again because they don't want to be made fun of. That's <laughs> probably how I handle it. Seems rude. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and I think it would be something like an example could be, let's say it's at work and somebody wants me to work late some night or on a weekend to get something done. And I'll be like, oh, I can't think of anything I would rather do than to work on this all night or all weekend. And that usually is enough to kill that. How about you? Um, I, I seem to create rules for things and then just kind of follow those rules, but not be like rude about it to other people. Um, so I, I seem to be able to create boundaries without actually having to say anything to anyone, which is cool and weird at the same time. One place I was at, they had their core hours were like nine to four. Every, everybody, literally everybody rolled in at nine. And they all rolled out in four. Um, They're in a place geographically where they could do that. Because of where it was in relation to my house, um, I went in like an hour early. So the joke was every day I left an hour early than everybody else. They all knew that I got there. Like we were all working the same hours. We were all in the office for the same amount of time. Uh, but the joke was like, it was like three o'clock and it'd roll around and everybody would start laughing and making jokes as I walked out on everybody. <laughs> but it was like, it was never a problem and nobody really cared. They were mostly just saying that they noticed. <laughs> Jess? I just say it. <laughs> I am just as a matter of fact, nope, not gonna happen. Or, no, sorry, don't do that. Or, yep, don't feel comfortable with that. Or, please respect my boundaries. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. <laughs> In all aspects, um, with, um, you know, the people I'm dating, with my friends, with work. I am just 
as a matter of fact, this is a boundary. Please respect it. Have you always been like that? Or is that like a new thing? That is so new. I didn't even know what a boundary was. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm trying to like mentor and coach people around me as to what is a boundary. Like when I hear boundaries from people around me, again, whether it be coworker or a friend or my boyfriend, I say, hey, that sounds like a really good boundary. You need to remember that and you need to enforce that later. <laughs> and they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> How do you distinguish between a boundary and an ultimatum? Well, an ultimatum is either or. A boundary is a like must. Right? I think of an ultimatum as a as a deal breaker. Yeah. A boundary is a warning. An ultimatum is a deal breaker. What do you think, Ethan? No. I, yeah, I think it, just the way that you establish it. Because I think a lot of times people are trying to establish boundaries and they use ultimatums to try and establish the boundary. An ultimatum seems awfully uh, heavy-handed. Right. Yeah. Me. Yeah. Well, because I think that's what happens is people get to a point where they haven't had boundaries or they're sick of the boundary being violated, even though maybe have never been expressed. So they get to a point where when they finally say something, it's like, you need to do this or this is going to happen type deal. Rather than having strategies, which I'm not, I mean, I seem to be able to do it. I don't know. I talk to other people about setting up boundaries, I guess, too. Because it's really important, you know, the place. I've been a couple of places where if you don't have boundaries, you just get chewed up. Mm -hmm. Like, it's really important to have boundaries so that you can protect yourself. Mm -hmm. I've had exercises with my coworkers as to what are boundaries for what's their definition of boundary, writing it down and holding them accountable for making sure that they respect their own boundaries. So if you want, if you expect someone, someone to respect your boundaries, then you need to respect your own boundary. Yeah. Um, so it all starts with the individual first. So like the ultimatum is like an external expectation. You know, I'm giving someone an ultimatum, whereas like a boundary is myself that I'm holding myself accountable. So uh, to me, that's the difference. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that's, so that's what I kind of see is that people, ex, they get to a point where they express it in a like super, not a constructive way, right? Where it's not identified as, uh, no, that's something that I'm not willing to do or I'm not interested in or that's out of the scope of this type deal or that makes me uncomfortable, right? It comes across more like, um, If you ask me to do this, I'm going to respond this way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Boundaries are hard. Especially when um, the same people continually try to violate them. That's when you need to have respect for yourself and. Yeah. Like either move on, like if it's that extreme. 
you have to remove yourself from situations. Like the definition of self-love is respecting your own boundaries. And if you don't love yourself, then you're allowing people to penetrate your boundaries. Like you need to look internally. You're using out. a lot of words here, Jess. <laughs> self-love sorry is that a little too feely for you <laughs> no i can't i'm very immature so i can't deal with oh self-love oh that's like that's like uh we had someone in our organization who they're like we're gonna do self-love february and i didn't not in front of the entire organization but like internally in our little group i made fun of it to the point where they're like i can't even i can't even do it now like you ruined it for me <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think of self-love that way. <laughs> but now <laughs> that you say that. Yeah, I wasn't thinking that. I will. And now every time you're going to remember me and you'll be like, Ethan, that's one silly bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a Dane Cook. I'm pretty sure that's from a Dane Cook bit. Mm, I can't remember exactly what he does it about, though. I want to say Burger King fries, but maybe not. So when you talk about someone who repeatedly crosses the boundary or pushes the boundary, at what point, and, and let's say you've communicated that boundary or in various ways, at what point do you get, do you cut the cord? and say, I'm no longer going to participate in this nonsense. And um, and mm -hmm. you set a, a totally new boundary, which is you are not allowed past this boundary at all. Mm -hmm. And that boundary is a restraining order of not more than 100 feet or whatever, you know. When does yeah. that trigger that? That's individual. That is each person's decision. And each person, what I recognized with all my friends, and I'm going to say all of that, oh, my best friend, her boundaries are ironclad. She is like, nope, you cannot do this. And you will not, and blah, blah, blah. I would say 99% of my friends, um, they set a boundary and then they execute on it, but then it comes right back into the fold again because that person, the external person is promising things or saying things and then their actions don't meet their word. They put up their boundary, they say no, whatever. And then it's that crazy cycle. And so each individual, it's up to them as to how long they can go through that crazy cycle. There's no right or wrong, right or, um, wrong answer for that one. The crazy cycle. I like it. Yeah, it's like a learning curve, right? People just get to a point where I think a lot of people just try and leave the situation is what happens. Because it takes like it takes a lot of courage to, you know, stick to your boundaries. Or it can, and it depends, right? So, like, family is, like, a big one that people seem to have, like, a really hard time enforcing boundaries with, and vice versa. Then the family has a really hard time dealing with the fact that there are boundaries. Um, there, there seems to be some 
some generational thing, which may not, it just may be the way that they were raised. Like an example I've heard is, uh, grandparents that are of the baby boomer persuasion. And there seems to be this kind of common theme among that generation where the way that they are, the way that they interact with their grandkids is through the family that has the grandkids doing all the work to go to the grandparents area and make all these sacrifices to go see the grandparents rather than the other way around where the grandparents are the ones doing the work to come see the grandchildren. And then I've heard that there are, they don't react kindly to, which is super weird. I mean, they're parents and their family, but they get very upset and hurt when they're like, yeah, we, we can't actually do that. Like if we're going to have to work something out or we're going to have to plan something, or you're going to have to come here. We can't just drop whatever it is we're doing and go do that kind of thing. I don't know if it's, there's <clears throat> like, we've talked about mental health, right? A lot of the mental health things that are, freely talked about now 70 years ago they would lock people up in an asylum for mm -hmm. it so i don't know if it's just like this whole like giant group of people that just weren't allowed to talk about feelings or uh, mental health and so they've never been able to deal with it and so they don't have any tools when they get hurt right a lot of times when you if you go to therapy i think you learn that a lot of times like extreme sadness will come across as extreme anger, right? So usually when someone's reacting in a very angry manner, they're not actually angry. It's fear or sadness are usually the two like actual emotions that they're feeling, but it explodes at you extreme. like anger. Yeah. <laughs> my, um, Interesting. my girlfriend, she kicked her boyfriend out of the house couple nights ago because she was sick of it. He crossed the boundary way too many times. And I asked, you know, what was the boundary? She described it to me. And then I'm like, well, tell me what happened leading up to what he did. And she was just telling me stuff. And then I don't know, a couple minutes later, she told me that like he was at his mom's house the weekend before and they got into an argument. And I said, wait a minute, do you think he was triggered by the argument with his mom, which then caused him to, you know, lash out on you? And she's like, oh my gosh, didn't even think about it. I'm like, so does it really have anything to do with you? And does it really have something to do with him and his relationship with his mom? She's like, oh, you're genius. <laughs> She's like, well, now I need to ask those questions. And I noticed the next day they were on Facebook together. <laughs> but she had a boundary. She broke it. And now she's bringing them back. And so that was my comment earlier was, you know, boundaries are created and they're executed. But then all of a sudden he does something or she says something and they make up. And now he's moving back in and they're not breaking up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, PTSD is a nasty thing for mm -hmm. sure. Well, yeah, everyone has PTSD, no matter who you are. 
everyone has a form of an event in their life that happened. There's, I think I was telling you guys about this. There's three triggers or events that happen in your life. One, when you're a toddler, one, when you're like a adolescent and one, when you're like a teenager. And though there's three events that cause you to think differently. And those three events are what like project you into how you react and what your emotions are in those circumstances going forward. So it doesn't matter who you are, you have events in your life that tr like allow your brain to think differently. And so then when you're an adult, there's a trigger that happens and then your brain thinks that way again and you just go right back. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a safety mechanism. Yeah. Is what it is. Like your brain's trying to protect you from the trauma again. Yep. And so that's the thing about triggers is usually, especially when people are first learning about it, they don't understand what their triggers actually are. Mm -hmm. And they won't even, sometimes you can be triggered for weeks or months before yeah. you have some kind of, before you can even pick up on or have whatever your, you know, whatever the result of your PTSD is. Yep. And then you finally like realize, and then you have to go through the whole backtracking thing of like, what the, what was Oh, this explains why I've been feeling like crap for this long. Like, and what happened around that time type deal. So, yeah, but that's, you have to go get all that knowledge and then apply it and learn. And like, I don't know that there's enough people to actually do that. Yeah. Um, every other week, that's my therapy. <laughs> Talk about what triggered me this week, <laughs> how I dealt with it, <laughs> what I can do to create new brain paths and wavelengths. <laughs> I actually don't go every other week as much. Now I go like once a month. But... That's good. Yep. Good times. You know what one trigger is for me that I tell everybody? Do not, in an argument, call me Jessica. If you say, Jessica, I need you to calm down, or Jessica, don't blah, 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 blah. Or if you say any form of Jessica in an argument, <laughs> I will flip the F out. <laughs> really? Yeah, you've mentioned that before, yeah. <laughs> huh. Don't do it. Or if you do do it, I, I will flip out or I'll instantly shut down and I'll go hide in the closet and cry. So those are my two extremes. That's that's exactly what they are. I mean, those are like, those are the two things. <laughs> People shut down, they stare off or usually that's what happens first and then they'll explode later um, after it becomes too much and they have their response. Yeah. So that's what I tell everybody. <laughs> if you're going to be friends with me and we get into an argument, just don't call me Jessica. I would prefer just don't even say my name. <laughs> Isn't there a song called Say My Name or something? <laughs> yeah. Destiny's Child. Yeah. <laughs> That's in a different context. <laughs> I saw a fun article. I can't remember if it was written by Microsoft. I think they had weighed in on it that people are in 
250% more meetings now than in 2020. 250% more meetings. Well, it has to be because the only way you can talk to somebody is by creating a Teams meeting or like slacking somebody. You know what I mean? So like you can't just stand up and walk over to somebody's desk anymore. You have to actually have a effort to say, hey, Ethan, can you talk? And then you say, yes, I can talk at 220. And then you have to create a meeting to have a Zoom call or to have a web, like a, you know, like a, a meeting. So yes, like your whole day is meetings if you technically think about it. Unless you're actually like working on documents or, you know. I think yeah. Steve's dying from that. Um, so. No, I'm, I am thinking back to pre-pandemic and thinking to now and I don't know that the comparison is fair because it's at two different organizations mm -hmm. but I agree that now there are no water cooler discussions there are no walking up to someone's desk and just having a chat it's oh I, I need to schedule something and i'm as guilty of it as anybody i'm like well i don't want to just like bombard this person and hope they're available i'm gonna say hey i'm gonna be respectful of their time and set up a, a meeting so i dispute that stat and would submit to this body right here that those um, informal discussions you're talking about are in fact meetings. And if you really think about the amount of time that you spent, it's probably actually not different. <laughs> probably. I mean, because we've had, Steve, you and I, the place we were at before we we're at now, which I'm very excited to work with you at the next place, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, how many times did we have an informal discussion turn into like a 20 or 30 person informal discussion for like two hours right or it's like that hey can i chat to you real can i chat with you real quick let's go right in here to this room oh we need this person for this discussion that just like spirals out of control <laughs> yeah I think the dynamic has changed and I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people, it's just new for them is really what it is. I think the online format is just new. Because mm -hmm. I I think for, for me looking at especially like developers, because I've always been cognizant of trying not to interrupt when their head's down or, you know, like, hey, if you don't have time to talk, we don't have to talk type deal. Um, and it seems like it's a little bit better for them now because now there isn't really that's just me though like i try not to like message people if it's not urgent or i do just block off time for the next available whatever and then i always try to cut it short to give them time back to try and make it like real informal that's what i like doing is sucking up people's time on the calendar and then giving it back so it's all blocked off So I thought that was a fun stat. One of my friends was, he's like really struggling. He, 
he's to the point where, you know, I probably was a couple of years ago where he's like, I don't, he's like, I don't have time to actually do work. I'm in seven to eight hours of meetings a day. And I'm like, yep, you got to create those meeting boundaries or rules or, you know, and then you got to stick to them. Boundaries. Here we are. We've come full circle. Back to boundaries. <laughs> Everything is about boundaries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the best yep. things to do is teach my kids how to create boundaries and stick with them. Mm-hmm. I agree. <laughs> I don't know about you guys. But I've noticed the time of day that we are uh, recording these podcasts directly impacts the topics and the level of uh... the level of mental stimulation. Yeah, five thirty on the East Coast or whatever. You guys can. <laughs> <laughs> it's also Thursday, and the girls don't have school tomorrow, and. Um... It's like prime, prime drinking time. Mm-hmm. It is. But I have been preoccupied a little bit this week. I don't have a lot going on, but I'm preoccupied. And that is affecting my ability to think creatively. To podcast. It, well, it is, really, yeah. to do anything. Yeah. I was, so I have been, and I don't know if I've talked about this. I have been dealing with, which is why I'm holding this you can't see it, but I have this back scratcher in my hand that I'm constantly doing this. For two and a half years, I have been dealing with a, an itching rash problem that comes and goes. And I'm finally like to the point where, all right, I've got this new prescription for this miracle drug and it was supposed to be here yesterday. Mm. And it never showed up and I'm like, what the heck? And I had to jump through a lot of hoops and there's a problem with their workflow process for this because, you know, it didn't show up. And I'm like, what the heck? It was supposed to be here. So I call yesterday and they're like, oh, yeah, there's a problem. It says there's a note here that says there's this problem, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, no, that was already squared away on Monday. That's all taken care of. Really? I don't see any notes here. No, I'm pretty sure. And I like I'm referring to the dates when I had the discussion and provided information oh yeah i guess i do see that here okay well we need to put you in touch with this person and i like i talked to that person monday you did oh well okay well i guess we'll get this shipped out to you oh my and god now it's supposed to be friday so now i'm two days behind i can barely sleep it's driving me crazy mm -hmm. so there you go i can't think of anything other than that that's a lot it, on your mind. The and my work is suffering. Everything is suffering because I like have I'm exhausted yeah. and and I can't think every free moment I have, my brain cycles are going, Where is that where is that stuff? Mm -hmm. Is it and not only where is it, but is it really gonna help? Yeah. No. I'm sorry. There you go. There's yep. my dumb, dumb story of the day and why I'm a terrible podcaster today. <laughs> no, there's nothing like having to deal with different systems within our healthcare that uh, makes you feel good. 
<laughs> Everything is so disjointed. It's amazing that it works a happy path at all. And heaven forbid, like Steve is pointing out, you fall outside that happy path even a little bit. Mm -hmm. But it's not unlike in our line of business where we go to various organizations. Very few times have I been to an organization and not had the following thought. After being there six months or so, how the heck does this organization make money? <laughs> there are so many inefficiencies. It's it's like, I, I like watch money flying out the window and I'm like, holy cow, how do they make money? And then I realize everybody's like this. So that's the, the beauty of being a uh, going to multiple places is you get to see that like nobody's actually doing it right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like everybody's which is just I mean, to me that's one of the things is like you always you have to respect that it's broken but it works because it's gotten them as far as it has. So it's just how do we get them to the next level? Yep, there's all different levels of maturity. And a lot of customers are at the lower maturity level. I'm, I got to give kudos to our company for, I didn't think any of those guys left, live, were left still. So it's great that we keep finding them. <laughs> for, you mean, um, like, I'm, no, like I'm flabbergasted that a company like the one we were at in the, state that it did still exist in. oh <laughs> and then before that i was shocked at the one i was at that they were still around <laughs> so yeah you just after a while you're like oh yeah it's just it's never gonna go away mm -hmm. fun fact i was helping someone this week from our organization uh who said hey can you help me test something out I'm like sure give me a couple minutes i'm gonna you know, i gotta finish something up and i had a break between meetings and i'm like okay so i dial into this quick call it's like a five ten minute call where i'm helping them figure something out and they bring up on so this is our colleagues they have something on the board that they're showing me and they're just having me test some things and i'm looking at what they are showing and it is for a customer that i spent three years at 10 years ago oh my gosh <laughs> what are the odds of that yeah actually better than you think <laughs> but it was not i wasn't with our organization at the time yeah yep, yep. that's funny well now i don't want to know <laughs> mm -hmm. but i like my i like did a double take i had to like read it and reread it and i'm like what <laughs> did you see your name on it no mm. no yeah it's usually and, a long time between those updates. and it is an it is an organization that i to this day describe as in one phrase it was the best of times it was the worst of times <laughs> that's funny yep are there any that aren't 
Um, so this one was very unique. This is the one I've referred to a number of times as like the greatest team ever assembled, high functioning, the highest functioning team I've ever been a part of. For two years, it never felt like going to work. And I was commuting 110 miles one way. Mm. Never felt like work. Wow. And then the final year there, it completely went downhill. Um, and I look back on it now and I kind of have figured out kind of why and why the why the director who was in charge of it all made it so bad. And it was just for purely um, his personal reasons, nothing to do with anything else. It was, mm -hmm. it was for, it was for himself. And it's like, wow. Okay. So. It's crazy how, like how much work it takes to build up that stuff, but then how quickly it can be torn down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I saw that a long time ago. I was at a retail place and we'd been working our whole store had been working together really well for a couple of years to get where we at. And we had um, a GM who, I don't know exactly what happened, but he just kind of like, I don't know if he ever had integrity, but he for sure lost it or just stopped with it at one point and took like all that work that we'd done, just tore it all down in like six months. <laughs> It was, a, it was such a travesty to watch. Mm -hmm. Yep. And the it other... was a, I look back on it, it was a highlight and low light of my career. Mm -hmm. like, like the, and the low was, I've lost my faith in humanity. Oh, wow. A little bit. A <laughs> little part of me died inside. Mm -hmm. To watch this thing that was so successful and so good to just yeah. oh well yep yeah. okay well now you gotta bring it back with something fun I know I was just thinking <laughs> what fun topics fun topics if you will I don't know <laughs>